Main Street today is your half-hour coffee break with Devin O'Day featuring lifestyle, inspiration, and entertainment news. Main Street today, it airs live weekdays at 11 a.m. Central, or you can catch it on demand on all of the Main Street media social platforms, including highlights on Instagram at Main Street Today Radio. Take your daily coffee break with Devin O'Day on Main Street today, weekdays at 11 a.m. on Main Street media social platforms. Back to Mo and Chris. You guys drink coffee midday? Any time of the day for me. My mom is that Not way. really. I'm, I'm more of a morning coffee guy. My mother drinks coffee from, from 7 in the morning to, to she goes to sleep. <laughs> it's all day long. I, I don't. I, it blows my mind. <laughs> this, this is a woman who will keep the same coffee beans in her coffee grounds in her coffee maker all day long and just add one scoop to it every time she makes a new cup it's incredible and then dumps it at the end of the day that's better than you know filling it up every time that, that is true yeah <laughs> this cracks me up anyway welcome back in main street sports today coming to you on this hump day edition almost to the back side of the week now we get to talk to our friend Teresa Walker of the Associated Press, who has been keeping up with a lot of different things lately. Mm-hmm. And uh, most recently, the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. I'm sure she's seen some previews and some. She, she's certainly t- keeping an eye on the men's tournament as well. So we will talk to her as the men's tournament is getting ready to tip off here in just a couple of hours. Teresa, welcome in. How are you? I am good. And, you know, hey, it's March, you know. It's a it's a month so crazy, they call it March Madness. So, uh, yeah, I was actually talking with a colleague earlier today. He kind of wishes that NFL free agency had not been bumped back a week, but Considering that you know the SEC has turned Nashville into its uh, men's basketball home for the tournament, you know this year being just kind of the exception with them being in Tampa, I don't mind it because I'll tell you guys, there's been a couple years where you know Titans are busy in free agency and I've got games. It's like I feel like I'm being pulled, you know, more than usual, you know, ten different ways from Sunday. So uh, I'm kind of enjoying the fact that the SEC is in Tampa this week and. Enjoying the fact that, uh, you know, yeah, Titans have been a little busy and, you know, free agency kicks off a week from today. Guys, at 3 o'clock Central Time, a week from today, uh, NFL free agency goes insane. And, you know, considering what's happened the last couple of days, I mean, anybody else having fun? How active would you expect this team to be in free agency? No, they got to be active in a way just to keep the guys that they want to keep. I mean, you know, everyone was panicking yesterday when they didn't uh, tag franchise, uh, use franchise tag on Harold Landry, but it's like people were acting like, well, that means they're not going to get a deal done. And sh- sure enough, hours later, you know, there I confirmed the report to the five-year extension. So, you know, it, they didn't want to let him go. And then this morning, they've got a trio of guys who 
undrafted to, well, at least two of them are undrafted and Tier Tart, uh, who started 10 games this last year. And then, oh yeah, uh, Nick Westbrook Aquina, who, you know, surprisingly enough was the second ranked receiver behind AJ Brown in catches, yards and touchdowns. So, uh, you know, they've, they've been busy and, oh yeah, there's Ben Jones, who's now the top target out of, you know, potentially hitting free agency a week from today that they've got to turn their attention to. And they've got to create some cap space. This team is still millions of dollars, you know, depending on which, you know, over the cap has them at like uh, effective cap space, it's $10 million. So, uh, you know, if this team has got a lot of business to get done before free agency starts. And, and it all, the, all the fun starts Monday in the legal tampering period where they can start talking deals and agree to deals that can't be announced until after the uh, new league year starts on Wednesday. So th- this team, that front office, is very busy, and it's going to get busier um, because, you know, do you keep a Chester Rogers? You know, how many of these guys do you just go ahead and leave and, and see if you can upgrade on in, in free agency? I think that them keeping the guys that they've already made, you know, the moves they've already done, shows an indication that they want to kind of keep the band together. Speaking with Teresa Walker of the Associated Press here on Main Street Sports today. And, Teresa, I may have badly phrased my question. How active do you expect the Titans to be with free agents who are not currently on their roster? Yeah, and I probably misunderstood that question. That's a great question, though. They've got so many guys of their own that are hitting free agency. Uh, you know, and I, you know, they, it depends on how much cap space do they clear up, you know, uh, because, you know, they could re, they could create a lot of space by just simply redoing contracts, Taylor Lawn, Kevin Byard, you know, Roger Saffold, who's going into the final year of his deal, uh, you know, shoot, cut Jack Rabbit Jenkins and go, you know, see if you can maybe upgrade at, you know, your veteran cornerback. So, uh, you know, active, I, I, the one thing that we have seen them do under John Robinson is be more surgical. You know, it's not like they're out there spending money left and right, but they're going out and addressing the needs that they have. And, you know, right now the biggest two needs for this team, tight end, because they never really truly got a number one tight end to replace Johnny Smith, and then depth at wide receivers. So, um, you know, and, and, and they don't have a second-round pick right now in the April draft, so they are going to have to fill, fill some of those holes in free agency. So, you know, now I, I thought Mike Kosicki, a tight end from Miami, would have been a great target for them, but he got franchise tagged. Uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of names on the tight ends suggested out there. Uh, I'm avoiding Gronkowski. I'm sorry, but he's old and, and he's, he's been injured too much the last few years. I, I'm staying away from him. CJ Azuma, who I just saw in the uh, Super Bowl and Titan fan saw him with the uh, Bengals. You know, that's a guy that I think could be a, a nice target for them. So I, I think that they're going to go, you know, don't expect them to be, you know, coming off the top rope, spending money left and right. That one that hasn't been John Robinson's uh, mode of operating. And, uh, you know, I, how much he goes into this free agent market is going to depend on how much cap he creates. Uh, because, you know, that to me is the big thing now. Trying to keep Ben Jones and, and if they choose to do that. And then creating cap space so that they can do anything else. They're going to have to create space so that they can actually sign their uh, free uh, their rookie draft class this year. So, uh, you know, it, it, how active they are is going to depend on how much space they create. OJ Howard. 
I wouldn't mind seeing him at all, right? Uh, you know, that's the thing. Go for and what we've seen them do is go for younger players. You know, trying to get guys coming off their first contracts because when you're getting somebody coming off that second or third contract, that's when you get age, you get you know some more injury issues and things like that. And you know, to me, OJ Howard is still among the younger group of tight ends that I wouldn't mind taking a look at. He's been my number one name for tight ends from day one. Uh, but I was also hoping that Brady might stick around so Gronk would stick around and OJ would be like, let me get out of here <laughs> and go somewhere where I can be the guy. Um, now at this point, I don't know. He may be like, let me get out of here because I don't know who else is going to be the guy. <laughs> <laughs> who right. knows? Especially since Godwin apparently was not tagged. So I don't know what they're doing there anyway. Um, Teresa, I want to talk about the SEC basketball tournament switching gears here momentarily because Vanderbilt does play tonight. Unfortunately, they have to play in that this day one of the tournament. They get Georgia, who they have beaten twice this year. Um, how far can Vanderbilt go in this tournament? With Liam Robbins and Rodney Chapman, uh, and uh, Scotty Pippen, I, I I would not be surprised to see them maybe win two games at this tournament, which would set them up for a Friday game against Kentucky if I re- if I remember the bracket properly. And you know, they played Kentucky fairly decently uh, in Memorial Gym, and they didn't have Robbins. And if Chapman played, it didn't make a ton of uh, uh, impact on me. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is. They are seven and three with Rodney Chapman on the floor. You know, this is a guy who transferred over from Dayton. You know, he was with that team that was doing. You know, if not for COVID, that Dayton team was in position to, you know, to maybe chase a national championship. So he is a very talented player, and to have him on the roster is a huge, huge help. So yeah, I think they they could go win maybe two games and then see what happens on Friday against you know Kentucky, and you know if they can get two wins. They just might play themselves into an NIT bid. So, you know, that's the thing. We haven't seen this team truly healthy all season long, not all together. And now, you know, they're feeling a little confident down there. You know, they had Jordan Wright and Scotty Pippen talking to us yesterday via Zoom, and they both sound like they can't wait to tip the ball off. Now, that said, this is a team that has had a lot of close games yet again, and they've got to start showing that they can close those games out make the plays and, 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 you know, score the basket and get the points that they have to have when it's winning time. We haven't seen as much of that from these Commodores. So, uh, you know, this is going to be the only time this team goes together, you know, because uh, uh, Chapman, Robbins, both graduate transfers, Scotty Pippen, he came back to, to prove to the NBA that, yes, he could win some games. This is, the moment is now for him to see what he can help this team do. You know, Teresa, you you mentioned Rodney Chapman. Great story on The Athletic today by a friend of the show, Joe Rexrode. And, and he didn't just transfer from Dayton. Vanderbilt is his third stop. He started at UT Chattanooga, or Chattanooga, as I think they prefer to be called. But um, this this guy's kind of been around the block, and he's had some had some tough situations, like you said, the COVID situation that kept Dayton from really pursuing – a national championship. He's been hurt, and I'm not sure that that hamstring is 100 percent as they go into this ball game tonight either. So, um, 
that'll definitely be something to watch as as Vanderbilt kind of puts its hopes on having a healthy Rodney Chapman. Oh, absolutely, and and that's the thing. I mean, you know, with both Robbins and Chapman, you know, health has been such an issue for them. So, uh, you know, if they can keep them healthy and if that hamstring can survive, you know, I, I just want to see what this team is, you know. Uh, people, I know there's some Vandy fans that are kind of getting down on Jerry Stackhouse. It's, you know, it's like, why aren't we better than this? And it's like, well, he, he brought some guys in to try to make them better. And, you know, you, you can't fix injuries. I mean, shoot, it's almost like there's a black cloud over that entire program, you know, predating Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, Bryce Drew was done in by injuries to uh, Darius Garland. So, you know, it, it's just been a running thing for a few seasons now. So maybe, maybe they're just do to have some decent luck as far as guys being healthy. And if they do, that can, you know, that literally can be the difference this time of the year. The difference this time of the year is strictly getting hot and getting good guard play. The positive for Vanderbilt is they have great guards. <laughs> and at this point in the year, especially against a team like in, in the second round, if they were to uh, win tonight, they'd get Alabama who has – Certainly struggled at times, so it's it's this is certainly interesting. I, I'm I'm excited to see how uh, how this tournament plays out because, like you said, Mo, deepest SEC we've seen in a long time. Top four seeds. If we don't see two top four seeds in the championship, it would not surprise us. Uh, the The depth of this Southeastern Conference, Teresa, all year long has just been uh, insane. Oh, it absolutely has. And, and I think the thing we're all waiting to watch is as good as these teams were at home. You know, Tennessee goes undefeated. Uh, you know, Arkansas so dominant at home beating Auburn and Kentucky and Tennessee and, you know, Kentucky at Rupp doing well. I mean, you know, and Auburn, of course, uh, you know, they've just dominated at home. Now they got to do it on a neutral court, uh, in a town. I'm curious to see what the attendance is. We know what the crowds are like when they're at Bridgestone. And, you know, I, I won't be surprised at whoever ends up winning this tournament. Uh, I, I, the one thing that I'm curious, Tennessee hasn't won it since 1979. It's been a long time. And a year ago, they were playing really, really well. And John Fulkerson, you know, took an elbow from Omar Payne, knocked him out of the uh, semifinals against Alabama, knocked him out of the uh, NCAA tournament loss to Oregon State. You know, so, you know, they're, you know, yes, they lost Olivier and Kamwa, but they're healthy. And, you know, the development of Kai Ziegler, Kennedy Chandler, and Jonas Adu, you know, Adu, who's come in and been huge with the loss of, you know, Nkamwa. So uh, I'm really curious to see. I can't wait for tip-off on Friday night with the Vols to see, you know, what can they do. And, and, and yes, I know there's Vol fans out there right now saying, well, sure, that's fine, but I want to see what they do in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I hear this in my own house about, you know, they're going to probably lose to a beer league team once they do get to the NCAA tournament. But We know who you know, said that. Is, this, yes, we do. <laughs> but here's the here's the thing. It, it, don't worry. He he uh, he drives me crazy saying that. But there's some validity to He's it. He's not right? wrong. Nobody wants to face Sister Jean in the tournament. But uh, you know, this is a team that back before the season started, a lot of us thought, hmm, with the talent they've got, could this be Tennessee's first Final Four team? And they're playing really, really well right now, and with a chance to prove whether or not they can go do it. So this is what we've been waiting for. Teresa, I am reading Blake Lovell, who covers the SEC for 
Southeastern 14, mm-hmm. and he asked a question on his Twitter. What is your favorite moment in the SEC tournament? Do you have a favorite moment in your time covering the Southeastern Conference tournament? Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm going to say thank you to Ron Higgins. It was the year that uh, DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall were playing uh, for Kentucky in the championship game. Uh, John Wall hits a shot to fourth overtime. Now, it was right before the buzzer, so I'm checking to see, did the shot count? Are we going to overtime? I have to send an alert or let New York know we're going to overtime so we can do a little advisory. And all of a sudden, DeMarcus Cousin and John Wall are coming, you know, they're celebrating, and then they end up coming all the way to the other end of the court in front of where I'm sitting and end up rolling on the floor into the table that I am trying to write at. Thank God Ron Higgins is like six seven and he helped hold you know, like Hodor, he held the table, right? To keep it from rolling over on us. And uh one former well, late uh, Dave Martin, photographer for the Associated Press, he took a picture of me kind of reacting in that moment because I'm I'm doing like five things at once, right? And all of a sudden the table's moving and these huge men, the Marcus Cousins is a big boy, he's rolling into the table. I I you know, I yeah, panic. Uh, it's not a picture I wanted to keep because the look, I'm, it's like I had 14 chins there because I'm like, ah! So uh, thankfully, Ron held the table. I was able to take get the advisory sent and then refocus quickly for overtime. So that was a fun moment. You know, when you're sitting at courtside, you get a lot of guys coming at you. That was one where I thought the, they were coming right into my lap. <laughs> Before we let Teresa go, got to say, it was announced um, on March 4th, what was that? Friday? Thursday, Friday? I don't remember. Days started to run together. Anyway, congratulations to Teresa for being involved in the AP package of the year for um, their coverage of the ongoing NBA at 75 series. She was involved in that along with um, Tim Reynolds, Brian Mahoney, Kyle Hightower, Eddie Pels, and Cliff Brunt along with um, some photo and video folks. So um, the the honors just keep coming for T. Walker, and congratulations on that from the um, APSE. Thank you. Thank you, Mo. I was I was part of our NFL at 100 project, which that won a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I'm telling my editor, it's like, can we get a little teeny plaque for this one? We didn't, you know, there was one plaque for the NFL project. It's like, can we get little teeny plaques at least for this one? Because it feels a little bit more real when you get a plaque. But thank you very thank you very much, Mo. And I'll say, working on this, if you haven't checked it out, uh, we have a hub for the NBA at 75 on APnews.com. And I, I, I've covered the, the NBA for you know 20 years now. But to, to, to dive in from the start of this league and all the travails that it went through, and I've, I've worked hard on a timeline that uh, we looked at stuff off the uh, court. We didn't just limit it to the things that were going on in basketball. Uh, a lot of fun going through history and pulling up pictures and, and, and digging up AP was their stories. I've been typing those in as well. Lots of fun seeing how we, you know, our AP style has changed over the years. <laughs> yes, it has. We can use percent signs now. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, thanks. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. When we come back, it's Wild and Wacky Wednesday, the weirdest weirdest and wildest news from across the world on Main Street Sports Today. Y'all stick around.